Welcome back to another episode of A Gift from Adversity. My name is Jill Love. I'm your host. Thank you so much for tuning in. Before I introduce my guest, I want to introduce my book, which is same title as this podcast, A Gift from Adversity. The subtitle is Overcoming Sexual Abuse, Domestic Violence, Bullying, and Homelessness. And it's available on Amazon. I published this book in 2020. I wanted to share my life story, a true life story that happened to me in Japan and how I came to this country and how I started my nonprofit and how I suffered with a lot of PTSD, a lot of mental health issues and also tools that I used to overcome them. So this is a gift from adversity. It's available on Amazon. After I published my book, I've got a lot of feedback from a lot of fans and personal stories that I felt really compelled to share with the world that there are so much stigma, especially talking about child sex abuse. And I personally had struggled talking about it. And then recently, I started to feel a little bit more comfortable, especially publishing my book and having a conversation around it. But this podcast has been my vision and my manifestation. And I'm very grateful to each one of my guests so far. Today is episode 59 and we have international guests. I have guests from all over the world. And today we have a guest from Thailand for the first time. So let's introduce our guest. Hi, Michael. Thank you so much for coming to A Gift from University. Hello, Jerry. Thank you so much for allowing me to join and allow me to participate. I appreciate you in this great. Yeah, I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. So can you tell our audience who you are and then what you do and if you have a website and social media, etc., that you want to share? Yes, absolutely. So hello, everyone. My name is Michael Baptiste. Some people call you Michael Overdeliver Baptiste, and I am an entrepreneur. I'm a certified life and business coach. I am also a former professional basketball player overseas and also a former professional basketball assistant coach. I am the founder of High Ticket Freedom, which is an online education platform specializing in helping educate people in the area of online business development, as well as high ticket sales, whether that be high ticket courses and coaching. And also, I'm a co-founder of Banana Wave Banana Milk, which is a non-dairy milk alternative beverage that we created from scratch, which now sells in over 4,000 retail stores like Walmart, Whole Foods, HEB, GNC, and many, many others. So what it is that I do is I help people now figure out how to take their ideas, their knowledge, their experience, and their, and their superpowers, as I like to call them, figure out how to package them into their own product or course or coaching program so, they, so that way they can get paid to share with people around the world make a living full time by sharing their gift with the world and being able to impact people around the world and create a movement that transforms lives. That's what we do inside of High Ticket Freedom. That's what I do inside of my coaching. And that's what I do now for a living to help people take their, take their life and business to the next level. So you can find out more about what we do at highticketfreedom.com. And if you'd like to try the Banana Wave beverage, you can visit bananawave.love in order to try the Banana Wave beverage. And um, if you're on social media, you can follow me on Instagram, Mike underscore Baptiste. If you're on Facebook, we have a free group called the High Ticket Society. You can follow us there. If you're on YouTube, you know you can follow me on YouTube, Mike, Michael Baptiste. 
And I'm all, we're also on all major platforms as well. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I really appreciate you being here. So let's dive into our first question, which is the adversity. Mm -hmm. So can you tell our audience, what was your adversity? Yes, my life has been interesting because I've gone through many different forms of adversity. So I'll, I'll start with this first form of adversity where I grew up to a single mother, a teenage mother, while my father was in prison. We grew up in the inner city of Miami and in my neighborhood, there were not a lot of uh, choices for friends, right? There was this, this group of guys to hang out with, which that was it. And for me, that first group of friends, unfortunately, you know, we, we all formed, there, it was a, a local neighborhood game, right? And so because of this, growing up in this environment, um, there, there weren't a lot of positive influences, a lot of positive choices, no male role models around. That, that was my first form of adversity in life because I had to figure out how to survive in this world and in this actual, this tough environment. I had to figure out how to survive and not become a product of my environment because I'd seen people going to prison. I'd seen people dying in the streets. I'd seen people dealing with all types of things. And so me, myself, not only did we deal with you know, the, the environment of, of being in that inner city, but I had to figure out how to how to become my own man without my father being there, and that was extremely difficult. Um, you know, there was all types of developmental issues that I faced, that you know, um, there things that I missed out on in, in my childhood because my father wasn't there to teach me how to be a man, so to speak. So for me, growing up in this environment where I wasn't told that I can be successful in life, um, I wasn't influenced to do great things with my life, and, and um, you know, the main thing that was on the plate for me was survive. Just survive this experience, and at some point when you get older, you know, you can do, do something else with your life. So for me, this was my first form of major adversity because of the fact that it was just my mother, and not only you know did she have me, I was her firstborn, but then she en ended up having three more children. So you know, growing up and you know having little brothers and sisters to take care of, and uh, my mom doing everything in her power, doing her absolute best to take care of us. You know, keeping hot food on the table. Um, you know, doing what she could to keep the fridge full of food. You know, keeping the bills paid, keeping the lights on. Like she, she sacrificed so much, right? And, and me seeing that sacrifice, that that was that was adversity because um we didn't have much. You know, I, I remember I remember one summer um when we we couldn't afford to buy school clothes, right? Um, I, I didn't I didn't fully understand what was going on, but I knew something was up because. Like, why, why, don't, why don't I have school clothes? You know, why don't we have school clothes? So my mom came up with this idea that we need to get money to, to buy school clothes, right? So the idea was, if we, if we need money to get school clothes, we gotta go sell something. So what do we do? We ended up, my, my mom knew someone um, who, uh, who my grandmother used to work for. And we went to her house and she had, she had this huge field of mangoes, right? And she wasn't doing anything with the mangoes. So we went and we took the mangoes and picked them off of the tree. Right. And with the intention that if we can take these mangoes and sell enough of these mangoes, we can buy school clothes that summer. So me, my, mo my, my mother, well, my mother, my little brother um, and myself, we all drove in, in, her, in her van is a red. Uh, I forgot the type of van it was, but um, it was a red van. We drove, drove to this woman's house and then we had a couple garbage bags and we filled up a few garbage bags with as many mangoes as we could. Right. And I and I love the experience. man. It was such a great time for me working with my mother, working with my brother. And um, and so we filled this bag up and after filling the bag up, we went back to our area. We, we found some cardboards, found some Sharpie markers and wrote mangoes for $1 on the sign. Right? And so the strategy was my mom would sit at the table with all the mangoes 
And my little brother would go down on that side of the, 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 the main road. I would go down on that side of the main road. And we both stood at the corners of the main road, holding up a sign that said mangoes for $1 with an arrow pointing towards our mother, right? So the cars would drive by and they'd see our mom and they'd pull over and stop. And we, we literally did this for a while um, that summer. And, um, and after, after doing this for, for some time, um, we were able to actually make enough money to purchase school clothes from my, from my little brother and myself. And he, even though we bought school clothes and you know had one pair of shoes, you know, like, like we made it, we, we made it somehow, some way. And that was a lesson that taught me, like whenever you don't have it, there's ways to get it legally, ethically, morally without hurting anybody. And, um, and I'll never forget that lesson. I never forget everything I learned from that experience. And, and that, you know, those types of, uh, those types of experiences of adversity really helped shape me into the man that I am today. And also the entrepreneur, the successful entrepreneur that I am today. Well, thank you so much, Michael. Um, so before you move on to tools and the success, I want to go back a little bit about uh, being raised uh, with a teenage mom and single mom, and then your father being in prison. And thank you so much for bravely sharing that personal story. I truly appreciate it. How, how was it growing up knowing that your father was in prison? Like when you go to school, have you compared with other kids? Have you thought about your father? Have you visited him? Yeah, for me, it was very, it was extremely difficult because there was a period um, after, after I was born where he, he came out of prison for a little bit. So he was out of jail for like a, a year or two. And, um, and I got to actually experience him while I was young. And so for me, it was like, wow, dude, you're amazing. Like, why are you in prison? Like, you need to be here with me, man. You're such a great person. Wow, I'm so glad you're my dad. But where you been? <laughs> you know, what's going on? So for me, it was very difficult knowing that I had such, you know, my dad was such a great man, um, but he he made some of the wrong decisions, right? He he chose to go into, he, he chose to become a product of his environment, which I, I understand. And he did what he thought was best for him at the time. And when I would go to school, and I would listen to other kids tell stories about their dad and their trips with dad and how they, their dad had this and he had this going on. It really hurt me. It really hurt me. And, and for a long time, I thought that I wasn't good enough. I thought that I wasn't, um, you know, good enough for my father's love and my father's attention. And, and um, you know, it, it, it became something I'm going to be honest. You know, I had to. Uh, well, I'm not going to give the tool away that I use to solve it. But uh, but it was very painful for many, many years. And I noticed that. You know, my, my other friends that had fathers in their lives, I noticed that there were different things in their personality, whether they were more you know, mentally stable, emotionally stable, um, better able to deal with their emotions, um, or maybe maybe it was something that they were able to communicate better and more openly, right? Because they had that father figure there to support. Um, and, and I just noticed that um, they, had, they had more resources, right? Maybe they had nicer shoes, they had nicer clothes than I did. Um, and, and, I quickly learned to stop comparing because everybody's got, you know, who's got a father, their life is probably better than mine, right? And, and rather than me comparing um, to make my life worse, I just stopped comparing. And I just started realizing that, okay, my dad's not here, like he's not gonna be here. So I gotta figure out what I need to do as a man for myself. Then I need to create that. Cause if I keep comparing, like I'm gonna just, I'm, I'm gonna keep getting sad. So, um, so I had to learn at an early age to not compare, you know, my life and, and what I have going on to other people's lives. Right? Because other people would look at me and be like, man, like, you're so strong. I don't know how you're so strong. Man, my dad didn't teach me how to. And I'm like, wow, your dad didn't teach you that? Well, my, nobody taught me that. I just, I'm just learning it 
you know, because I have to be strong. And so, um, you know, the, the, the entire time my father wasn't there, it did make me sad. It made me really angry. And it actually put me in positions where I use that anger. I use that sadness to, to push myself in life. Right. Um, saying that when I become a father, you know, I'm going to be there and be the best father for my children whenever that time comes. So while there was a lot of, you know, there was negative sides about it with, you know, what I had to deal with emotionally and mentally, there was also positives that I took from it, which I'll, I'll share those later in this episode. But I just wanted to, um, yeah, share some of those things and how I noticed the impact it had on me. But the, but the thing about it is that it also gave me, it also gave me this, this gift where I take everything that happens in my life and I flip it to the positive, right? I was like, okay, my dad's not here. What does that mean? Well, it means I'm not loved. It means I'm not worthy. It means I'm not good enough. And, um, and I, spent, I spent a lot of time seeking my father's approval, seeking his attention, you know, seeking him to tell me, son, I'm proud of you, seeking him to say, son, good job. But it wasn't there. It didn't happen. And so for many, many years, I just worked my butt off. I, like I, I put my effort into basketball. I put my effort into, man, how can I make it out of this situation without my dad, right? Like, so that way when he gets out, he'll see what I'm doing. He'll be proud and he'll come join me and he'll do the right thing, right? That was, that was like my childish dream that I had. And, uh, and so, yeah, you know, even talking about it brings up the emotions right now, but I, I've dealt with it in therapy. I've dealt with it within myself. I've done the self-healing. I've accepted it. You know, my father and I, we have a great relationship. I've forgiven him. And, and it's, uh, excuse me if I might have skipped a step, but I, I just wanted to share because um, while there is a lot of pain that I experienced in childhood, I had to learn how to deal with that pain as an adult. And, um, and it's been a very, very difficult process, you know, doing the shadow work on myself, working with my shadow self to heal those parts of my consciousness where my father was not there. And um, it has been a lot of work on myself, but, I, but I'll just say that like, there was a lot of pain with my father not being there. And, and I, I truly believe that that pain is what has helped me become the man that I am today. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And Michael, I am sharing this story with you and with our audience. So my case was my mom left when I was seven and then they divorced and then my father started to sexually, physically, emotionally, verbally abuse me. So his sexual attention like flipped towards me because I was the oldest and then later on to my sister. So to me, it was just double triple like punches of not having my mom but having this sexual relationship with my father constantly and the two uncles and then that was really huge for me and then having the void and then of my mother in my case was very difficult like what you said at school you compare you know that you know that kid had this and that I didn't have like good lunch, like colorful lunch, and I got bullied for it. And the kids mm. are on top of everything. So I really appreciate you sharing because a lot of times, you know, especially men who went through these adversity, they are, you know, told to be tough and then not to talk much about this adversity and challenges. Mm. You are a child and then you needed a love and then you didn't have to do these responsibilities at young age. And growing up with this hardship 
and in an environment that you mentioned, and we talked about it before our podcast. My experience is that I taught music to juvenile offenders in Massachusetts、mm. at a nonprofit for twelve years, and I've seen so many kids in your shoes, single mom, dads in prison, in and out. In the detention program since thirteen, fourteen,、mm. I've met、mm. one kid who never, ever saw, see, have never seen an ocean until age eighteen. Me and my staff took him to see kayaking after he got out the detention program, and then he was thanking us so much because he said he's never seen the ocean. So I've seen a, you know, glimpse of. What is it like to have a single mom, teen mom, teenage mom, father is in prison, and the environment is so tough? How tough was it, like growing up in that kind of environment and seeing people die, get killed, gangs, all that enticement to the negative world? How how can you describe a little bit? Thank you for asking this question. the The way that I can describe it, it's、uh, it, it 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 was it was extremely tough because not only were we dealing with、um, poverty, the 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 kids in my neighborhood they also didn't have fathers. So you got a bunch of little young boys out in the neighborhood.、Um, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not going to speak on all the things that was happening. You know, for for、uh, for the betterment of my future, <laughs> but like th- there was all types of chaos. There was all types of violence. There was things happening. Um, and so you know, it's a gang. So like they do what gangs do. You know, there's violence and there's there's crime, right? And so um, the, you got all these young kids that are products of their environment. And um, you know, some of my friends, man, like they did, they didn't, they didn't survive at 13. You know, one remember I was 12 years old, and、uh, one of my friends, he got he got murdered. You know, and, and I was like, hey, I'll see you tomorrow. And then he didn't come back tomorrow. Um, you know, another one of my friends at 16, he got murdered. There was another friend, you know, he he's doing life in prison for murder. So it's like these were the guys I was hanging around and surrounding myself with. So if, if if this is what they were doing, you know, I was there just trying to my best not to become a product of it. So it was it was extremely difficult because you know you have these children with these complexes of their fathers not there, so they got these anger issues that they're dealing with. And then you know you got the environment itself. There's there's other there's other rival gangs in the same neighborhood that got beef with you because you you don't live in the same block they do. Right,、um, or maybe you don't represent the same things they do, colors or whatever.、Um, so, so you got that, but then you also have、um, the, the the drugs, right? So you got the drug selling, people selling drugs everywhere. You got people using and abusing drugs、um, in our neighborhood. You got crackheads, right? People that are that are、uh, were addicted to crack as a drug of choice.、Um, you had people that were homeless, right? And on top of all of this. Then, then you got the cops coming in. You know, there's police brutality everywhere. People getting shot down. People getting beat by cops, abused by cops, right? So, so like you got all of these factors happening in the environment. We're not even going to get into the food, right? And, and and the food deserts, meaning like no healthy food options in the neighborhood. So it was all bad food choices. We leading people to diabetes and all types of health issues. Like it was so tough,、um, you know,、uh, being in that environment. But but I think. You know, I think I think、uh, you know one one of the toughest things about it was going through all of that and like not having a, a, a male, a, like a positive male figure that I can look at and turn to and say, "Man, what do I do right now? How do I get through this?" 
All I had was my mother to look at. And while my mother's a strong woman, you know, she's a woman. You know what I mean? Like, like now I'm an adult man and I, I, I recognize my power and strength as a man and I utilize it for my best and, uh, and the best of others around me that I care about. But it's like, man, I got my mother. She's strong, but like she can only do so much as a woman in this type of environment, you know, raising, raising children by herself. There's only so much she could do. Like for me, that was one of the toughest things, man, is not having, not having my dad around to say, dad, what do I do? Dad, help us. Dad, defend us. Dad, like, you know what I mean? Like, use your power dad to to take care of us um that was probably one of the toughest things of dealing with it all because uh from all of the fist fights i got into to all of the all of the the, the things i did in, in that environment um to, to to make sure that i did not become a product of it that i would survive it and that i would eventually get out of it um it, it was just extremely tough to do it without my father so because i had to do it without my father it it, it fortified my mind to a level of strength that I, I like it's hard i can't teach people how to have the mental strength and capacity that i do i've tried it for years but i just recognize like you have to go through extreme adversity in order to develop the strength and the willpower to be able to beat that adversity and overcome it right like that's the only way to develop this like um extremely strong mental fortitude and it doesn't have to just come from growing up and as a product of your environment it could be from a an accident, right? Where you have to like recover health-wise. It could be from a bad breakup or divorce where you have to recover from that. Um, it could be from losing someone that you love and you have to recover from that. There's plenty of ways that adversity, um, you know, brings us gifts and, and helps us to learn mental fortitude. But I feel like like that's the only way to to develop that strong mental fortitude is going through some form of, of extreme adversity. And so while it, while it was really tough, like like I said before, I like to. Um, you know, I've developed this habit and, and this way of being where I take every negative and flip it to the positive. So for me, while it was extremely tough, um, it prepared me so that way I can survive in any environment. And man, I've been through so much more adversity than just like my childhood um, that, uh, you know, but everything I went through later in life, I'm like, come on, man, this, this is a piece of cake. Man, I had dudes shooting guns outside the window. I had dudes living next door. You know, there was gunfights in their in their yard. You know what I mean? And I would hear the guns go off. Um, you know, I've had all types of things happen, which I'm not going to go into all of the crazy, crazy stories, but like I've had so many things happen growing up that it prepared me for, to be able to handle anything in life now. And, uh, and I believe that's also, it also contributes to why I am successful as a person first and successful as an entrepreneur. Uh, Michael, I truly, truly appreciate you sharing this. So just to explain the 12 years of my life that i dedicated to help inner city youth in the greater boston mm. area i have this profound moment i think i told you that um one of the boy we actually tying up with a internship interns um internship program from princeton university and then they wanted to do like hard data kind of research so one of the question was, what is your dream? What do you want to do? And one of the 16 years old boy said, I don't have it because when I get out here, I'm going to get killed. I don't have a dream. And, you know, those are the reality of this inner city kids. And to be honest with you, like they don't know any better. They don't even know what is it like to even see an ocean. And then in Boston, there's a spot like of area of high gang violence area. From there, 
literally like 15, 20 minutes by car, you can see the ocean. And he didn't even have a transportation for that. Or a family member mm. who are in this drug world and then the gang world that nobody was able to take him for 18 years. So wow. I'm just saying that in the reality, people do not understand what is it like to be isolated and have no whatsoever positive role models or somebody who can take you to a vacation or fun places even. And I've seen it firsthand for 12 years of my life. And then I just really didn't understand. And I've never really met somebody like you who actually came out the other side of it because you know I was dealing with juvenile offenders then. So I haven't seen, although I, I kept in touch with a few students of mine and they became very, very, very successful. Some of them um, that I'm in touch with, I'm very proud they are former band and then they're doing a really great job. And I'm very proud to see the potential and then blossoming, but it's very rare. I'm just really talking to you and then our audience from my life experience your case is very rare, very. So let's actually move on to the next question, which is the tools that you use to overcome all these adversities. First of all, thank you again for sharing, and then I'm very sorry that happened to you. And I'm oh no, yes. no, don't don't be sorry. I I rather you be grateful. Why? Because look at me, I'm I'm here. I'm actually alive. I made it through it. So. Be grateful because it made me the strong person that I am. And I use that strength to inspire and impact other people now. So please be grateful. No sorry over here. Thank you. So this is my favorite part of the podcast, which is the tools that you use to overcome. Typically, when you share your adversities and stories, people who've never been to extreme adversity like yourself or me, um, they just say, oh, go get a therapist. And mm. that's only way and then to be honest with you i do have mass health as a single mom the wait list is since 2019 and this is 2022 me my kids we can't get therapists because especially after the pandemic it's a long wait list everywhere and especially if you don't have private insurance it's impossible so this is really a great um platform that i'm very appreciative because all the guests who came to my show had so many creative ways, tools that they shared with me and with our audience, how they overcame the adversity. So what are the tools that you used actually to overcome your adversity? Great question. Thank you for asking this question. One tool, the number one tool that I use to overcome adversity is laughter. I know it sounds crazy, but like, Anytime something will happen, and it, oh man, so much happened. I just, I do, I would just laugh, and I would laugh because I would tell myself, you know what, man, this, you know, this, this is this is some BS. But at some point in time, this is gonna turn around. So I'm just gonna laugh because this too shall pass. And so, um, the number one thing I would use was laughter, even though there would be tough times and we would cry tears of sadness and pain and agony, and I would feel frustration and anger. I would ed 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 eventually, at the end of it, find a way to pick something to laugh about. 
as my coping me mechanism, which actually was the best medicine. And that helped me get through the adversity. The second thing I'll say is, uh, is um, I, you know, a mother used to always say something to me during those tough times, which I, did, I never understood why she would say it. But it, it, eventually, I guess it, it became programmed into my subconscious mind, which made my mind so strong. And it's simply this quote, mind over matter. And she would say it every day, I'll, mind over matter, son, mind over matter. Mom, I'm hungry, there's no food. Mind over matter, like we'll get food, don't worry. Mind over matter, you know. Um, or mom, I need this. I need some shoes. I need this and that. Don't worry, son. Mind over matter. Like you know, we'll get it. You know, we'll get it eventually. And so I, I think that telling myself mind over matter um, really allowed me to to remember that my mind is one in control. This environment is not in control of me. Um, you know, my mind is in, in control of my body, right? So like telling myself mind over matter is something that really, really broke me through um, everything in my life. So like from sports training to college to entrepreneurship. I tell myself mind over matter, even to this very day, I say to myself mind over matter. And I say it all the time, um, to, but to myself, I, you know, it's something I've used for myself personally. Another tool that I've learned to use um, as I've gotten older in life is reading, 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 reading. Um, during those times where, you know, my, my mother would not want me to be outside and um, to getting into trouble and mischief, and I'd be super bored inside the house. She would tell me, son, open a book, read a book. I'm like, man, read a book. Ah, oh, okay, whatever. And I would read books, and I would just read books, and I would read books sometimes for for hours, right? I just sit there, just turning pages, because my like all I had was my mind at the time. You know, we didn't have no money, we didn't have no fancy gizmos and gadgets, right? It was just, it was just, uh, you know, what was in front of me. And uh, my mom, she did get a lot of books for me, so I read a lot of books. And so, um, that was a tool that I used, which was reading. And uh, I'm very fortunate because later in life, that would turn into the number one tool. That I would use to like gain new information and learn how to transform myself. Another tool that I that I've used along my journey has been um well I mean not not during those younger years I didn't learn about this tool until later as an adult. But when I learned about it as an adult, it, it absolutely changed my whole life. Everything in my life changed, and I do it every single day to this day still. Meditation, going inside of myself, calming my mind, you know, focusing on my breathing, focusing on my energy, and then tuning in to my inner self. So that way I can use that inner self to, to do things like bring about my ideas and goals into reality, bring my dreams forth into reality, um, attract things into my life that I desire, you know, create better health for myself, create a better version of how I want myself to look and be and behave and, and what I want to be able to do with my life. It's been totally transformative. So that's something that's really helped me. Um, another thing that has helped me tremendously has been listening to personal development tapes listening to personal development videos, listening to personal, personal development podcasts. These things have given me information on how to transform myself, um, you know, everything from um, how to communicate better, um, how to heal from trauma, um, you know, how to deal with bad breakups, you know, how to deal with bad friendships, how to deal with toxic environment, um, you know, how, how to set goals for life, how to set goals for your business, right? How, how, to, how to set goals, um, how to recreate your values within yourself. All, I mean, just so many different things that I've learned and acquired through personal development that I actually became like a personal de development junkie, right? So rather than allowing myself to be influenced by the music that's really not productive and not helpful, beneficial or supportive, I I've found a love for personal development, reading books like Think and Grow Rich, um, you know, reading books like, uh, uh, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Seven, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, um, you know, Spencer Johnson, who moved my cheese, the 40 laws of power, um, you know, the 42 laws of my, like there, there, there's so many different books and things that I've read along my way 
that have really helped me. So personal development is still something that I utilize to this very day. Um, every day I'm listening to audiobooks still, you know, Earl Nightingale, um, uh, Old Mandino. There's just so many people, Les Brown, Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, Ann McNeil, um, even Tiffany Largie-Smith, right? I listen to these people and I absorb their messages and I internalize what they say and I look at how can I apply the message to my life and then I apply it. If it works, great. That experiment was successful. But if it doesn't work, no problem. Try the next thing, right? So doing that and committing to personal development has really transformed my life. And then another tool uh, I'll share because I don't, I don't want to, well, two more I'll share. I don't want to make this list too long. Um, therapy has definitely been helpful. Absolutely. I, I have a therapist now. Um, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say it because it's helped me grow as a man in so many ways I didn't know I needed to. Um, it's helped me heal in a lot of different ways. Um, another tool that's helped me has been trauma release exercises or what's called TRE. And this is a modality where we allow our body to anatomically release trauma that is stored up inside of our body in our psoas muscle, which is located, um, it, it's, it's a part of your body that, it's a muscle, the biggest muscle in your body that connects your spinal cord to the front of your hips. So it's like, it's almost like spinal cords here and it connects to the front of your hips there. And it's the strongest muscle that we have in our body. And that's where the majority of our trauma is stored at. So trauma release exercises is a modality that taps into the anatomical, 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 <laughs> the anatomical part of ourselves that allows us to release trauma that is deep within, you know, the, uh, the, the, muscle, the muscle tissue and, um, and, and cells within our body. So that's been a tool that's been really helpful for me. And um, the, ne the next thing I'll say is that's been really, really helpful is uh, having mentors. Having mentors has absolutely changed my life. Mentors, coaches, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, but I, I, I just use the word mentors because that's something most of us can genuinely understand. Um, me, fortunately for me, the people that I consider mentors have become like my second mother and my second father and my brothers and my sisters. You know what I mean? They become family to me that I, I wasn't born with but I met them along my journey. So I would say surrounding yourself with people that can, um, that can positively influence you and, and positively impact you in a way that's gonna push you beyond who, being who you are now, right? To become greater or to, be, or to be better. I would say that's been major for me because when I started surrounding myself with basketball players, I, I became a basketball player mentally and I allowed it to influence me. When I started hanging around entrepreneurs that were already successful, they had already built million dollar businesses, and, and even, you know, my mentor, she, she's a multi-billionaire, um, like that began to influence me, right? And then later in life, what did we do? We built a company that's earned millions of dollars. So like, you know, for, for me, I always, always, like even right now to this day, I'm in Thailand, um, but like I go train at the gym with guys that are stronger than me, they're bigger than me, right? They lift way more weights than me. And I'm like, wow, this is great because I'm going to get stronger now because I'm around guys stronger than me. So I'm going to allow, I'm going to allow this environment to influence me. And I'm also going to influence my environment to make it better. So I would say, you know, surrounding, surrounding oneself with people that are positive, that are um, influential, that are motivating, that are uplifting, that are supportive, that are helpful, that are beneficial has changed my life. Um, when I was around friends that would make jokes about me, they would talk about me behind my back, right? Like th those are not supportive people. Like if they're making jokes about you, like how, how are they, how are they uplifting you? Those jokes may be bringing you down and they don't know it, and, but they're just having fun, right? But no, that's not helpful. That's not supportive. That's not beneficial. And um, so like, you know, those type of people I don't surround myself with. I, I, I do my best to always keep myself surrounded around positive, inspiring, uplifting, helpful, supportive, beneficial people 
because if not, I don't I don't need those people around me. I came from an environment like that. I'm good. Like I've done it already. It doesn't work. It does not work. Okay. And I'm telling you out there, like if you got friends and 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 people in your life that are um, you know, they throw like shade at you, they don't support your dreams, they they ask you, Oh, what are you doing that for? Right? Or they make fun of you in your face or behind your back. You don't need those people. There's billions of people out there, and there are some great people in this world that will be helpful. They'll be supportive and they'll be beneficial for you. Okay, so hopefully somebody out there who's trying to fit in with some crowd or be around certain friends because you grew up with them or whatever. Look, if those people are not helpful, supportive, and beneficial, you need you need new friends. You need new people to surround yourself with. Because when I started to do that, that's when my life changed. That's when my life took off to another level. And so um, those are some tools that have helped me. I hope I didn't overshare, but I wanted to really give some good value because um, I have a passion for helping people who may be in a dark place like I was. And I was not in a dark place for a day or a week or a month. There were years of my life growing up in, in a dark place, you know what I mean? Because of the environment, not because of my mother. My mother was great. My family was great. I love my family. But just the environment that we grew up in, you know, um, there was a lot of darkness around. And so um, I, I just hope that whoever's listening to this, I hope that this changes your life. I hope that this really impacts you because, you know, these are the things that changed my life and that helped save me from my environment. Thank you so much. And I just want to go back to trauma release. What did you say? Trauma release exercise? Yes, trauma release exercise. That is correct. I've never heard of it. Oh, look at that. Fantastic. So um, just to shine a little bit of light on it. So trauma release exercises actually originates from a scientist who discovered that when, when an animal shakes, right, like after experiencing something, it shakes. And then after it shakes, it, it kind of comes back to normal, right? But when an animal doesn't shake, like it's tense and it just remains in like this mode of like fight or flight. Like what are you gonna do, fight or flight, right? And it just stays tense. And so um, the scientists discovered that um, they, they, they looked at a, I guess it was a case study they did where in Germany, right? There were bombs going off. And so some people went underground into the bunkers, right? And they noticed that the adults were in the bunkers when the bombs were going off, all the explosions happening. Right. Um, the adults were like very tense, like if the bombs were going off. They were just like looking around and trying to stay strong. Right. For the children. You see what I'm saying? But then the children, they were in there like, uh, uh, you know, just shaking. like, oh, God, uh, uh, uh. And then after the bombs uh, stopped going off, the scientists noticed that the people, the adults who were, who were like tense when the bombs were finished, it was still tense. You know, they were like it was just tense. But the children were playing, they were running around, they were being children again. And he noticed that, wow, when the body shakes, it is actually shaking off of the trauma. So when you go through something, car crash, you know, uh, you're sick, you're scared, you know, abuse, whatever it is, the body just shakes as a natural response to like get the trauma out of itself. So when scientists, when this, um, the scientists discovered this, that's when he went deeper into his research and he found out that um, the, the body stores that trauma, that like when we're tense and we don't allow ourselves to shake, the body captures that, that, that trauma, right, energetically, and it stores it in the body, almost like a computer file, right? It saves it on your hard drive. So now your hard drive, rather than like releasing it and deleting it, your, it saves it on your hard drive so, you, so your computer remembers trauma. So every time you log into your computer, bam, the trauma opens up because it's there saved on the hard drive or it's there on, on, on the computer, if you will. So the way that we release this trauma is through shaking it out, kind of like an animal. When an animal shakes, we shake it out. And so TRE is a, is a modality where you lie down on your back on the on the ground and um, with your knees up 
and and through a specific set of exercises you activate the psoas muscle which is again connected from the back of your spinal cord to the front of your hips so if you can imagine like touch your you know your back spine and, and touch the front of your hips if you will that's that's where your psoas muscle is located and when we're tense when we get into like fight or flight when it's like you see an animal coming and you want to run away from the animal or fight for your life to survive that fight or flight response is it's natural for survival but what happens afterwards it's uh it's not natural because we're taught to keep in be, be strong but we should be shaking it out so with tre it teaches you how to shake shake that trauma out of your out of the center of your body the, the psoas muscle where the trauma stored and then eventually as you get better at it you at your entire body shakes so i'm talking about your stomach shakes your shoulder shakes your hands shake your, you know your, your legs shake and you and you shake the trauma out and it's almost like a way of uh um it's it's, it's like a way of releasing stored and trapped energy from your consciousness, from your body, and it's almost like your body's taking a uh, an energetic. Uh, it, it's like you, you know when you go use the bathroom, you do a number one or number two, whatever. It's it's like you're 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 releasing, you're you're doing a number one or number two for your body on anatomic level, where you're releasing that stored up energy out of your body, and it's so amazing, it's so freeing. It's it's one of the best things I've learned in order to in in terms of how to heal from trauma. Um, because of so much trauma I experienced, I went on a search to to. To Thailand to try to see if I can heal myself from trauma, and I and I have healed myself from trauma. And TRE has been monumental. It has been absolutely huge in helping me heal, like self heal from my own traumas in the past. So it's definitely something I would recommend researching. Trauma release exercises. If you, if, you know, for anybody out there listening, if you have not heard about it, it is a game changer. It changed the game for me, and I'm a big advocate of it because I've seen what it's done for me. I've seen what it's done for my friends, for my girlfriends, for my family members I've shared it with, for uh, you know clients I've shared it with, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna continue sharing it because it, it's a way that we can heal ourselves from trauma that we go through every single day. That's amazing. And have you ever tried or heard of EMDR? Yes, I have heard of EMDR. Um, I, I have I have tried it just a, just a bit. Um, it is very effective if you continue to do the sessions and continue to do that therapy. It is very effective. So I've done EMDR. I didn't know anything about it, and I wrote it mm. on my book. I get from adversity, and how yeah. I heard of it is I have two friends who were also sexually abused, um, or physically abused, used the EMDR. One was in Japan, and then one was in here, and then I use it myself, and it was very powerful and then innovative. No medicine was following the lights left and right. Uh, so and then or vibration, and then bringing mm. back. The trauma that's stored like what you said but it's a limbic part of the brain and then bring it back to the cognitive part of the brain so when people are listening to this podcast and then experiencing the trauma ptsd reactions like michael said there are ways that you can release it without taking the medication just you know exercising like what you said i've never tried tre i would love to try and uh, EMDR, my case, really, truly worked. So thank you so much for sharing. One thing I want to not forget is you traveled from your environment, moved yourself to different countries, and now you're in Thailand. Do you think that was one of the tools to overcome the trauma or that was just a travel plan and different things? <laughs> so for me, it was actually a childhood dream of mine to see the world, travel the world, um, live in other parts of the world. So I, I would say that it was more of a, a dream that I worked towards for many years. 
And when I was able, when I was able to um, secure income for myself from the internet, you know, from our, our offline ventures, I realized that, hey, I can do this. I can go travel and see what's out there on earth. And so for me, um, I'm very adventurous. I'm very explorative. I like to just adventure and I'm just, ooh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm extremely adventurous. And so um, for me, I just wanted to, I just wanted to have a great adventure. I just wanted my life to be an exciting adventure. I listened to something by Dr. Earl Nightingale many years ago, and I listened to it yesterday, and I'm going to listen to it today. It's called The Strangest Secret. It's an audio you can go listen to on YouTube, The Strangest Secret. And in that audio, he said something that I, I, I heard him say in college about over 12 years, no, over 11 years ago. And, and I, I kept it in my mind, and I keep it in my mind to this day. He says, quoting Dr. Earl Nightingale, life should be an exciting adventure. It should never be a bore. And I thought about that, and I'm like, you're right, Dr. Earl Nightingale, life should be an exciting adventure. So for me, what was exciting? Um, I wrote down a list of 100 things that excite me back in when I was, um, so I'm, I'm in my 30s now, but back when I was in my early 20s, I wrote down a list of 100 things that excite me. And once I was able to uh, get out of college and, and start working on the businesses and I had income coming in, that income, some of it I used to go do what was exciting to me. And I crossed that list off. You know, I just wanted to do these things on my list and so a lot of the things that I've been doing in my life, um, traveling, moving abroad, these are things that I wanted to do that excite me, right? And so because they excite me, I'm going to go for it. And this gives my life meaning. It gives my life more purpose. It gives my life, it gives me fulfillment. It gives me joy. Like I wake up in gratitude every single day. Every day I wake up, I, as soon as I wake up, I'm like, what's five things I'm grateful for? Well, I'm alive. You know, I got my health. I'm here. I got a roof over my head. There's food in the fridge. I got a couple coins in my pocket. Um, you know, like I can go pay for something if I need, like I'm, I'm in this, I'm in this country, you know, like I can, and I just go, go, go until I'm like, okay, I'm done now. Time to get up out of the bed and go have a great day. And I go have a great day and everything that happens in my day, I express gratitude for it and more things show up for me to be grateful for it. I've noticed. So, um, so yeah, I, I believe that, uh, you know, for me, it was more so of like, you know, writing out a list of what excites me and, and just going after it. That really helped. But I'll say, a part of me uh, wanted to wanted to travel was to to help myself learn how to heal. So that was my intention, and I have learned how to heal myself. I've learned all types of tools through meditation, uh, uh, TRE, EMDR, um, professional therapy. Um, you know, um, just just energy work within myself. I've done a, quite a bit of that. All of these things have helped me heal all, along my journey. And you speak. Did I answer your question? Yes, absolutely. Thank you okay. so much. You know, Michael, this is yeah. very important questions to me because like I talked to you about the inner city kids that I met, they can't get mm -hmm. out of the environment. They don't go right. from Boston, the tiny part of Boston, a specific part of Boston to a different part of Boston. They don't go. They just don't travel. They just don't have resources. And then, you know, mindset that they can travel freely the world and explore the world. And I've traveled mm. countries by myself. I loved it. And then, you know, I think that's so important for somebody who grew up in the environment in America, like yourself, how you described earlier, to be able to go to a different countries. How many countries have you traveled? Um, I haven't traveled to too many countries yet. Um, let's see, one, two, Three. Can you name them when you're counting? Maybe. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, so I, I've lived in China. Um, lived in Beijing, China. Traveled to uh, Shanghai, Hong Kong, Tianjin, in Beijing. 
Um, so yeah, uh, there's China, lived in China, spent a little bit of time in Hong Kong. Um, I lived in Colombia, Medellin, Colombia. That was awesome. Um, uh, shared some time in Portimao, Portugal. Enjoyed some time out there. Um, I currently live in Thailand and I've lived in, uh, so I've lived in Chiang Mai, Thailand. This is my base. I lived in Phuket. I've lived in, um, Mukta, spent some time in Muktahan. Um, lived in Nokong Rachasima. I've lived in uh, Koh Phangan for a year. Um, lived in some beautiful parts of Thailand, Bangkok, Phuket, absolutely beautiful country. Um, and I've traveled to Laos, I've traveled to Myanmar, I've traveled to uh, Cambodia, I've traveled to Malaysia, spent some time in Kuala Lumpur. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so far, like, even though it's not a huge list of where I've traveled to, um, I have traveled quite a bit. And in America, I've actually traveled to over 30 different states in America. So uh, during, during our banana wave business and building that, and I experienced with college basketball, um, I've traveled to over 30 states in America and just, you know, I love traveling. I love seeing what's out there, exploring, because there's so much of this world that we have not seen yet. And I feel like, you know, us being born here, it's our birthright, right, to, to be able to explore this beautiful home that we all call Earth. It's, it's, it's our natural given birthright. And I know a lot of us are not able to experience it because of our environment and we don't have information. We don't have, you know, things set up and in place. But I'll say this, like, like the mind is so powerful. If you can just condition your mind, you know, that, hey, I want this thing right here. I'm going to go for it and I'm going to find a way to get it. Like the mind will figure things out. It's just how powerful the mind is. So um, I'll just say for the person out there that wants to travel, that wants to see the world. Hey, look, I was in a, I was in a place for a long time. I wanted to see the world, too. But it didn't happen until 20, you know, 27 years later until I figured things out for myself how to do it. Right now, you can go onto YouTube right now and say, and type in how to save up to travel, right? How to, um, how to get a good job that allows you to work remotely so you can travel while working, right? Like there's, there's tons of ways to do it. Like you don't have to be um, subjected to just, hey, I'm a product of my environment. No, 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 you're not. You got Google, you got the internet, you got your, your thumbs and your phones and fingers. You can type and, and research and start planning. And you can work on the plan right now today and you can plant the seed in your mind and water that seed every day and eventually that seed will grow into a tree but in this case we're talking about that seed growing into a plan of action and you pursuing your desire to see more than your current environment so you know i would just say to the people out there um you know everything starts in the mind if you want to travel plant the seed in your mind and and don't don't stop thinking about it every day and planning for it every day and work towards it take action towards it every day that's the secret ingredient that they always leave out is that you got to take action. You must do something. You must get offered. Well, you must get into action mode, right? You can, you can sit down in the chair and take action by, you know, with the computer, but like you, you gotta, you gotta take action, baby. Like that's the main thing is taking action and doing something about your plan. I can't think enough of sharing that. And how many languages do you speak? Yeah, so at, at the moment, I currently speak English, which you guys can probably hear. I'm, I'm not I'm not the most fluent. You know what I mean? I got, I got my little my little down south accent sometimes. But uh, English is my first language. I can also speak Spanish. Um, I can also speak Mandarin, which is uh, for those you don't know, that's that's the official language of mainland China. OK, and I can also speak some Thai um, and because I live in Thailand, I, you know, product of my environment. So I've had to adapt to my environment here to learn the language, to communicate with the locals and continue to survive. And um, I can also speak small amounts of Italian and a little bit of French, but just 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 like a couple words and sentences, not not nothing too amazing and immaculate. I just want to uh, share some something interesting with you. So I don't like 
when I was growing up, obviously, I never spoke a word of English. And mm-hmm. in a way, sometimes talking about my trauma, my adversity in Japanese is a lot heavier than talking mm-hmm. in English. And then I think some part of the brain objectify when you speak a foreign language about your situation. And to me, speaking a different language, living in a different country, kind of helped me to separate myself from the situation that I was in. And then being able to logically understand and move forward because of, of the language power as well. What What do you think? Do you have some experience like that when you're speaking in different languages? Yes, absolutely. I, I've noticed that when I speak another language, it actually takes me into the mindset of that culture, right? And it does for a moment temporarily remove me from what I may be experiencing because my mind now switches into a whole nother culture, right? And um, and I have to think like them. I think about the foods they eat, you know, the way they may, you know, bow or, or show respect or do a why or say hello, right? Like it's, it's different. So it actually forces me to not think about my environment and my trauma because I now have to like put myself into this mindset of a Thai person so that way I can best communicate. E- even though I'm not Thai, right? But like when I, when I speak in Thai and I talk to Thai people, like I'm no longer thinking like American Michael, you know what I mean? My, my brain is thinking in Thai words, if you will. So it, it absolutely does help you to overcome whatever you may be dealing with because you, you like there there is no comfort, there's no cushion, there's no safety net of being able to speak English. It's like, you gotta figure out what to say in Thai if you wanna communicate, otherwise like you walk away and you don't get what you want, you know what I mean? So um, it has absolutely been really helpful um, to, be in a, to be in an environment where Nobody knows me. Um, you know, I don't know the language. I don't know the culture, right? But I got to figure it out if I want to survive. It's actually helped to show me a new part of myself that I would not have discovered if I just stayed in my homeland. Like if I just stayed in Miami and I didn't go anywhere, I would be just, I don't even know what I'd be. I'm, I'm kind of scared to even think about it. I honestly don't even think about it at all because um, it, it's, it's a waste of energy because I'm not that person. I'm not going to be that person. I don't want to be that person. I love who I am. I love who I'm becoming. So I would say, um, yeah, living living in a foreign environment, it absolutely forces you out of your comfort zone and it forces you to not to not dwell in the trauma if you want to thrive in that new environment. It definitely forces uh forces another part of you out when you are in a foreign environment for sure. Love it so much. Thank you. And my You're last welcome. question is a gift that came from your adversity. So how would you say a gift that came from your adversity? Ooh, man, so many gifts came. Um, is, is it okay? Maybe I can get, maybe I can share three three gifts that came from adversity. Is that okay? All right, all right. So in my nature of over delivering, I'm gonna do my best to over deliver for the audience today for you watching in the audience. The first gift that came from adversity is this: people have imperfections. Love them anyway. That's the first thing I, I got because uh, my mother wasn't perfect, my father wasn't perfect, but because I love those people, man, I had a rich life. And you, maybe you don't think so because maybe you're comparing your, your childhood to mine, but for me and what I grew up with, that's all I knew. So for me, I had a, I had a very rich experience because I had people there, right? I had my, I had my, my cousins and my aunts and my, and my mother, 
Um, and I and I did have, you know, hey, even though we were doing certain things, they were still friends of mine, right? And we, and we had a lot of rich experiences because we weren't playing with cell phones and laptops and, you know, we were outside playing all day um, on, on the days we were doing good stuff, <laughs> you know? Um, so like I learned, I learned from those experiences. Hey, my friends are not perfect. They don't got dads. His mom, his mom's dealing with drug addiction, and his uncle is like, you know, in and out of shootouts and stuff, and and he's got issues too. So you know what, man? These guys are not perfect, but I love these guys. And my mother's not perfect. She's got her issues too, but I love her. My grandma's not perfect, but I love my grandma. Like like I've just learned to love so hard because you know when when you don't have specific resources, all you have are people. Right, the people become your your wealth or or um your source of uh yeah just 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 your source man and so um I've learned just to love people through their imperfections and, and by doing so you find the perfection in people's imperfections you know and it's 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 truly a beautiful thing to like love somebody with their flaws and and with their highlights like it's 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 a beautiful thing so that's the first gift that I and and even myself, like I'm not perfect. Like I can look in the mirror and point out 15 different flaws in like five seconds, you know, about myself. I, you know, there's certain parts of me like, hey, I'm, I may look like I'm big and strong, but there's times where I cry like a big old baby, okay? Cause I'm not, I'm human like you are. And so like I deal with emotional fluctuations and I've had to work on myself for many, many years. I'm still not perfect. You know, certain things about me that are just not the best, right? It's, it is, I'm human. But the thing is, I love my imperfections because they make me unique. They make me perfectly me. So I'm perfectly imperfect. And I love myself through those imperfections. And um, it's, it's allowed me to share that love with others, right? And, um, and, that, and that impacts the work that I do, the clients that I work with. That's why they get life-changing results. And, um, and, and I love the clients I work with because they're not perfect. They come to me not perfect, but I help them bring out the greatness within themselves. And then they, you know, and then I love them and I just, you know, see them on their way. So, so that's the first thing I'll share a gift from adversity is I uh, love people through their imperfections because it makes them perfectly and perfectly themselves. The second gift that I'll share that I've gotten from adversity is that no matter what happens, no matter how bad it is, no matter how bad it gets, no matter, no matter when you want to give up, you want to quit, you want to stop, you want to take a break, you want to sit down. If you just keep pushing forward, no matter what, You'll get there. And when you're there, you're there. You know what I mean? And you can own it. You can own the story and the process of what it took to help you get there. So just keep pushing forward. Like, I know it may be tough. You know, you know, Mr. or Miss, wherever you're at in around the world, you may be dealing with homelessness. You may be dealing with um, eviction notice. You may be dealing with no money to buy uh, food for your baby. You may, you may be dealing with the rent's late. You may be dealing with the phone bills late or, or, or the light bill is late. Okay, or there's no food in the fridge, or maybe there's no father there, or maybe there's no mother there, or maybe your grandma died, or your grandpa died, or your hamster died. I don't know. You're dealing with something. I know you, I know it's something going on in your life because I got stuff going on in my life all the time. We all do. Everybody has something going on. They're either coming out of it or, or, or getting ready to go into the next thing, right? So everybody's got something going on. So whatever you whatever you got happening in your life, just keep pushing forward no matter what. Something amazing is on the other side for you. Like all this pain, whatever you're dealing with, you're not going through it for a reason, okay? Um, the pain that I went through, I, I always knew that there was somebody I could inspire with this pain, man. There's somebody I could tell my story to and maybe they'll break down in tears and it'll change their life and it'll stop them from doing whatever negative thing and it'll shift them onto a, a path of positivity to make their life better, okay? Like, like and, I, and I knew that if I just keep pushing with whatever I'm doing, eventually I'll break through. 
So whatever you're dealing with in your life, just keep pushing forward, baby. Please keep pushing forward. You, you don't know how many people need you that, that you haven't met yet. You don't know how many people are in your life that are willing to help you if you just reach out and ask for help. Help is so close. Like, don't ever be afraid to reach out for help. Like, you shouldn't let, ever let your ego or let anybody's opinions or thoughts about you not influence you to seek professional help, not influence you to go to therapy, not influence you to try EMDR or, or trauma release exercises or meditation or anything you can to help yourself. Just keep pushing forward no matter what. And, and the final thing I'll share, uh, the third thing I'll share, you know, a gift from adversity that I received from adversity is that everything that happens to you, it, it's either a lesson or I call it a blessing. So, you know, where we experience bliss, right? Um, I call it a blessing. And, and if, if you can shift your mindset to say, to say hey, look, you know, I, I either, I'm, either I'm winning or I'm learning lessons, right? And, and if you can adopt that type of thinking, then it can just help you perceive what's happening to you in the, in the most positive light possible. So that way you can extract a positive lesson from whatever adversity is happening to you. Adversity is something that we all experience, but we can either take it with a smile or we could take it with a frown and complain and get upset and angry and bitter and ruthless about it, right? And, and, and um, there's something I, I heard in this, uh, this documentary, it's called Samadhi. And um, it's a principle of, uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm not gonna dive too deep into that, but they shared a story, right? And, and one of the stories was about a monk, Buddhist monk. And the Buddhist monk, their job was every day, all day for eternity to walk up and down this long flight of stairs with buckets of water, right? And they would walk up the hill with these buckets of water up and down, up with the full buckets, down with the empty buckets, fill up the water, up with the full buckets, down with the empty water, you know, buckets, and so forth, all day, every day. And it's, it's just like us. You got to you go to work, you get in your car, right? You drive through traffic, you sit in the office, work, and you come on, drive the traffic again, boom. And it's like same thing over and over and over and over and over and over. We all have to work in some capacity, unless you're an investor, that's different. But, um, but, but, but just you know, sticking to the story of these Buddhist monks, the, the, the major lesson was this. You, you got to do the work every day anyway. Like there's no way around it. We, we all are here to do a certain job and certain work with our life mission and life purpose. But the difference is that you can choose to walk up the, the, the hill every day with, a, with an angry face and a sad face. But if you do that, you are missing out on the lesson that, is, that it is there to teach you. Okay. The better way to approach it is to have a smile, to, to enjoy it, to be grateful for the fact that you get to walk up and down with these buckets of water every single day. And that right there is one of the greatest lessons I've learned about adversity is that if you can go through the adversity with a smile and, and with appreciation and gratitude for the pain, okay, there is something on the other side of that pain for you and it is a reward. So just like those Buddhist monks walking every day up and down the, uh, the, the temple steps with, with full, of, full buckets of water and empty buckets of water with a smile on their faces, look, whatever adversity you're dealing with, do it with a smile and do your best to extract the lesson from that adversity or look at it as a blessing, right? Because there's something that's going to be rewarding you for going through that adversity. You're not going through it for no reason. And what that reason is, I don't know. That's on you to search, to search for that, uh, that reason within yourself. And because they call me Mr. Overdeliver, I'm going to give you one more. Then, then that's it. That, that's all I got. I finished one more, okay? So the final thing I'll share with you is this. Surround yourself with people that can help you, that can support you, and that can be beneficial for you. Whether they be mentors in, inside of books, whether they be people on podcasts, 
whether it be listening to Jury in every episode she puts out, right? And reading her book, um, listen, you know, following her posts, right? Following the work she does, right? Or if it's somebody else that you admire and look up to, um, you know, it could be it could be anybody from um, you know uh, Lewis Howes to um, Danielle Leslie to Ty Cohen to uh, you know it could be Zig Ziglar, right? It, it could be Tony Robbins. It could be anybody, anybody in that personal development world or, or something that's gonna um, help take you to the next level. Surround yourself with those people. Fill your mind with their information. Think how they think. Like try do your best to adopt their ways of thinking, their habits of thinking, because these people have already put the information out. Like Jury's, she she's not doing this podcast because she like wants to podcast. No, she's doing this because she knows that there's people for her to help, people for her to inspire, people for her like that have that are going through what she went through, and she has a a job on earth to help those people. And this is one of the the ways she's getting it out. Okay, so. Your job as, as, you know, as somebody who needs help is like to consume what she's putting out there. Listen to what she thinks. Um, listen to how she says it and, and, and adopt what she's saying. Adopt how she's thinking because she's here to help and serve you. But guess what? There's many, many other mentors that, that have put out books and podcasts and information dedicated to help you. Go to your personal library. Go on Amazon and the Amazon.com bookstore. Right. Like like go on YouTube and just go find people. If you don't have them in your environment, that's OK. I didn't have anybody in my environment. The first person I heard about was Les Brown. I watched his videos and as, as, a, as a college kid going through depression and trying to pull myself out of depression. And I wrote down what he, he said in the videos and I wrote it by hand and I would listen to his videos over and over and over, writing the words down by hand. And after I listened and I wrote it down and I looked at it and I thought about it and I read it again. I thought about it more and I read it more and I, and I, then I thought about it and then boom, it was, it became a part of who I am. It became a part of my thinking process and I can't go back to the same way anymore because I've conditioned myself to think like Les Brown. I've conditioned myself to think like Ann McNeil. I've conditioned myself to think like my mentors and it's made me successful. So whatever, it, whatever it looks like, YouTube videos, listening to Jury's podcast over and over, reading her book from cover to cover over and over and over, right? Like do what you must to surround yourself with people that are helpful, beneficial, and supportive to your life and your future. And, um, and, and that's all I got for you today. I didn't want to overwhelm you, but I did want to over deliver today. Well, thank you so much, Michael. Before you go, I have a uh, live audience, Milton Young. He's a dear friend of mine. And he said, love people for their imperfections very powerful mm, i'm so grateful you picked that up yes love people for their imperfections because i'm not perfect man like if you met me in person i'll tell you straight up bro i'm not perfect but one thing i am going to do is i'm going to give you my absolute best effort or whatever i do and and you know you'll feel the love coming through so please love your people for their imperfections because their imperfections actually make them unique well thank you michael i'm so grateful to have this conversation today and thank you so much for the shout out for my podcast and work and our conversation um really <laughs> meant me like a lot and really touched my heart and i hope that audience will feel the same way and thank you for being authentic genuine powerful eloquent and overcoming all these adversities and then be as successful as you are and please keep inspiring other people and then inspiring yourself. Thank you so much again. You're welcome and thank you as well for this opportunity. 
And um, if I can leave you guys with one last quote, this is my quote um, that I came up with that, that is uh, very impactful. If the dreams that you're dreaming can be accomplished in this lifetime, then you are dreaming too small. I challenge you, baby. Yes, that's right. I challenge you, baby, to dream bigger. That is it, everyone. We'll see you next time. And thank you again, Michael. And have a great day. Take care, everybody. Bye.